This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, June 27th, 2021. Today on the program, ticket sales for WWE at least don't look so bad after all. We have yet another update on ticket sales as the return to touring is only a week away. More on AEW's investment into gaming. WWE did its third sweep of talent releases just a few days ago. Wrestling Twitter is dead. Long live wrestling TikTok. More on that on the presence or lack thereof of various wrestling brands on TikTok. A deep, deep dive into cage match, match results data, and former WWE co-presidents George Barrios and Michelle Wilson appear poised to enter the bowling business. All that and more today, but first... And now, joining us from my South by Southeast, from South Buffalo, ring announcer, entertainer, co-host of WrestleNomics Radio, Chris Gullo joins us to talk about the week's events. Yeah, not another slow week for sure. I mean, last week was really busy, so maybe not as busy as that week, but not a slow week when it comes to the wrestling business uh, side of things. And uh, let's get right into it, Brandon. I want to talk about viewership here. Uh, we'll start with last week's SmackDown on June 18th and then talk about the overnight that we have as well. Uh, for June 18th SmackDown, a uh, um, little over 2 million with a .54 in the 18 to 49. Uh, you compare that to the week before, there were a little under 2 million uh, and uh, with a .48 in the 18 to 49. So nice improvement. Now that would have been the Hell in a Cell episode uh, where Rey Mysterio uh, went one-on-one with Roman Reigns. And uh, just for an overnight rating of uh, the SmackDown that aired on Friday uh, with the return of Edge, uh, 1.86 million viewers for the overnight with a 0.5 rating in the 18 to 49. The previous week, the final was up 6% from the overnight. So if the same is true, the final total viewership would be 1.97 million. So a tiny bit uh, of a drop uh, for uh, SmackDown, but uh, still, you know, June it was looked to be fairly better than May was. Yeah. The the overnight looks like it's it's going to be a slightly these are these are minute differences to me that we're talking about. Uh the total viewership for the Helm the Cell episode was up five percent from the previous ep- from the previous week. Um <clears throat> up twelve percent in eighteen forty nine. So the eighteen forty nine is is a decent jump. Total audience, very small jump. Um on our notebook that we will uh give to patrons. I have a the vroom vroom uh, gauges here where I take the um, what do I do? I take the median of the of the three deltas of the difference of the last four weeks. This this week versus the difference of the last four weeks um, in total audience eighteen forty nine and eighteen to thirty four, and I take the median of those three deltas. Median of those three deltas is up eight percent. So a, an okay, a, a good a, a good rating, a slightly good rating for. For SmackDown, uh, to to put the um, the Hell in the Cell for free on TV, um, to hang the cage for <laughs> another day. Uh, s- someone mentioned to me that well, it must have been really um, you know, it, it was really expensive to 
construct the cage again. But but they were think about it this way: they were not uh, taking it down. I'm sure. I'm sure they left it up for Saturday and through Sunday for the for the pay per view. So it's probably not a huge, if any, added expense. They just put the cage up a couple days early. In fact, they left it up on Monday as well, and for uh, Hell in a Cell all over the place in the course of four days because there was what an Xavier and uh, Bobby Lashley Hell in a Cell match on Raw. I wonder if NBC uh, Universal was like, ah, oh, can we have a, a Hell in a Cell on a linear television as well? Since you're giving one to Fox, yeah, that's a that's an that's a that's possible. Who knows? And that was that was the last uh, pay per view. Uh, um, and the Thunderdome went out. Well, WWE at least main roster. Uh, you know, not not in front of people. So it should be interesting. Yes, money in the bank until the be, next pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> until the next pandemic. Yeah. Um, We'll uh, kind of. We already kind of talked about Raw there. Uh, well, what's the June twenty first Raw that included that Hell in the Cell match? A uh, uh, little over one point seven million with a point four nine, eighteen and forty nine compared to the week before. A nice little uptick, which w- um I'm sorry, compared to four weeks before. I know we do Raw in a four week period. Raw the Raw in, in last week of May was one point five six with a point four four and eighteen and forty nine. So much like SmackDown, it looks to be a little increase uh, from May to June as the months wrap up here and in your meter, uh, a 0.05 with the uh, median of the 18 to 34 and 18 to 49, uh, yeah. The, uh, the Russell nomicsometer, a proprietary metric. So, uh, I mean, good news for raw, uh, as, uh, for the month of June, we'll see if that continues in July as the weather gets nicer, but fans will also be going to the show. So that should be interesting as well, too. Uh, uh, keep it with WWE NXT last week. Uh, did uh six hundred and sixty five uh thousand overall viewers with a point seventeen eighteen forty nine. That was the debut of Diamond Mine. That was the big thing of the episode. Uh, compared to the uh, week before, seven hundred thousand with a point nineteen in eighteen to forty nine. So a uh, little bit of slip in both categories there for NXT. This was the lowest. This was yeah. This was the lowest yet on a Tuesday. It was only slightly down from what. Well, I think a couple of weeks ago they did a number that was slightly higher. That was the lowest, but this is now the lowest on Tuesday, uh, unopposed uh, by AEW. So this I means we're really getting an idea of where NXT lives here on a Tuesday. It's somewhere in the range of the high six hundred thousands or the low seven hundred thousands. Um, not that much different from what they were doing on Wednesday when they were opposed by AEW. Uh, I don't know what to what external factors to chalk that up to other than. It's not as if I don't know. It's, it's not as if the the, pop, the, uh, the product was so popular that there are all these people itching to watch it. If it was only on another night, um, I actually I wonder what NBC. I thinks. tuned in, and I don't normally tune in every Tuesday. I yeah, was I intrigued too, by the yeah. Diamond Mine, and I was pretty excited to see Hideki Suzuki. I had no idea he had a performer contract. I literally thought he was just a coach, so I was pretty pretty pumped to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Cr- critically speaking, I've, I've heard good things about it, and I did watch, I did sort of half paid attention to it this week, and I've heard good things from people whose opinions I, I think are smart about the last two It was a good show. I, I, I will say that, even though a couple of people featured are no longer with the company, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's a whole other story we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, um, we, this is the AEW Dynamite r- result from June 18th. Uh, they had a Saturday night dynamite, which was a day before we we're recording this. So I don't think we have an overnight yet on that. 
Um, but for the June 18th, uh, dynamite, they did 551,000. That was the last of the Friday night dynamites with a point two zero and 18 to 49 compared to the week before, which did 490,000 with a point nineteen. So a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, uptick, uh, overall audience and, uh, for 18 to 49, but I'm sure they're happy to get out of Friday night for a while, but yet that's where rampage is going to live. So it's, you know, it's interesting to, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. How, I mean, like I said, I don't know how happy they are about how they did on Friday night. You know, to me, you're putting your flagship show on at 10 o'clock on a night where people are really yeah. doing things, especially people are now out to do things. You know, I'm I'm sure they're happy to be back on Wednesdays. Yes. I, I'm interested to see how the viewership holds up this coming Wednesday. As you said, now that they're back on Wednesday on TNT at 8 o'clock. Is there any... I, I, it's one thing to be preempted for one week or a couple weeks. You know, Raw has been preempted uh, various times. Well, Raw has been preempted years ago. It's only been preempted once in the last 15 years or so. That was in 2008, I found out earlier this week. Um, but it, it's one thing to be preempted once or twice. It's another thing to be preempted four consecutive weeks. Um, does that cause anybody to break up the routine, any, any significant number of viewers to break up the routine and to not pick back up watching AEW on Wednesday? Uh, the gospel would tell you that uh, rest, wrestling fans are creatures of habit, and they'll, you know, if they want to watch wrestling, they'll find a way. So maybe they won't. Maybe there won't be a problem for AEW. But uh, I would say, what, what's it, what's an over under for next week on whether or not did, did these preemptions disrupt any habitual viewing? <sighs> Eight hundred thousand or so, something like that. Um, another question: I'm interested to see the results on on Tuesday when the Saturday finals come out for cable we don't we wouldn't okay. get an overnight for aew because it's on cable we only get these overnights for network programming that's why we always have it for smackdown um does a saturday night at eight do better than a friday night at 10 i think friday night's a slightly better night than saturday but eight is a way better time slot than 10 uh, i did a poll on the wrestling twitter and the vast majority of people thought that uh, the saturday was going to do better notably there was on fs1 also from 8 to 10, running head-to-head, -head, <laughs> a replay of WWE SmackDown from the previous night. Um, now, I looked into this. It is not out of the norm for SmackDown replays to be airing on FS1 and FS2. They do so on an irregular basis. There doesn't seem to be a consistent time slot. But they're usually on in the wee hours of the morning, 3 a.m., 1 a.m., something like that. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they are in prime time, but when they are in prime time, it's usually Tuesday or Thursday. Understandably, you, you won't want to put it on Monday or Wednesday. Maybe maybe it's I I don't have the details in front of me, but it would, maybe it would be Tuesday before NXT was on on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> the little things. Not the not little... not Saturday though. That is unusual. Uh, was is it really intentional? You know, is it really intentional? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It it, could, it it might be. It might not be. But it's a it's an interesting coincidence. And and look, this this it's not like that's going to do a big number. I'm sure it's going to do a minute number. Uh, we might not even see it in the results because it'll do such a uh, We have impact rating uh, 111,000 uh, on Thursday with a point oh three and 18 to 49 compared to 110,000 uh, the, the week before with a point oh three. So really not much of a difference uh, at all when it comes to the uh, viewing of, of impact. And this would have been a week after Don Callis was fired uh, as executive. Yeah, well, I, I would call this the, the weakest, easily, easily the weakest rating of the programs this week. <laughs> Um, this was the lowest of the year, uh, in 1849, I think. 
Uh, this was tied with two weeks ago in total audience. Uh, th- I mean, there's been a trend um, throughout the last 12 months of impact. It's total audience diminishing, but it's 18 to 49 audience increasing, which it is still increased um, well above. So this is the end of June for impact. They're doing uh, well above where they were uh, last year in, in 18 to 49, even though their, t- their total viewership is down. So, I mean, I don't, I don't have like median viewer age uh, going back to a year ago, but uh, I've got to think the, the median viewer is younger. Um, it, you get up when I post the ratings, you get a lot of Twitter responses uh, for people who probably want to be mad at AEW and, and tell you that this AEW relationship isn't working out because they see that the total number is down. But if I'm access, I, I see that the total number is down a little bit, but, the, but it's a younger audience and it's a higher 18 to 49. What would you rather have? I, I don't know. You'd have to ask them what they care about, what they prioritize. But if you're sa- selling ads, you would rather have a demo rather than a than total viewership. Um, yeah, this is a property that they own anyway, so they're not. That's the thing. A- Anthem, about, uh, at the end of the day, owns Access, yeah. so it's like maybe they would shuffle around to a different night. But I don't think they would. I think they're just gonna, you know, go with Thursdays. It is interesting though that now the dark. There's no, but there's no, but there's no other night to put them yeah. on. There's, you can't do Monday. You can't do Tuesday. You can't do Wednesday. You can't do Friday. You, you could do Saturday, but that's worse yeah. than Thursday, and same for Sunday. Um, but what's interesting, too, is this is the first uh, impact in a long time where there's no Dark Side of the Ring and no China special. So n- none of that yes. audience came over. Right. Yes. This was the lowest 18-49 audience since December 29th. But again, still uh, quite a bit higher. Let's see. I can pull up the, the number right here from the WrestleNomics viewership spread sheet, which you can get access to uh, through Patreon. Uh 1849, I'm taking medians here, so this would um, account for any really high exceptional numbers, not that Impact necessarily has any, um, but up 50% year over year in June in 1849, down 15% in total audience. Now, uh, the only the only program, by the way, oh, yeah. sorry to cut you off, the only program so far in June that is up year over year is Impact in, in 1849. Maybe AEW would, but in these preemption comparisons, of course uh, it's not. Now, we... Uh... We thought that most white treasures was done, and they had one episode left that was this past Sunday, and it was. No, we knew that. We knew that it was uh, Rick. Flair. Okay, I just yeah. didn't see a rating here, so I wasn't sure uh, if you pulled that or not. Uh, not sh- that was a two-hour oh. special uh, for the. I did not put that in our in our run sheet. Yes. But I will. I will find that. Let's see here. I, I deprived it from the Gullo report, which was very very interesting uh, episode. Most- uh, uh, most Wanted Treasures on June 20th did 491,000 viewers, 211 mm-hmm. in the demo. Uh, that is, by comparison, almost exactly the same as last week in total, uh, slightly down from uh, in, in 1849, down 13% from last week. Uh, the, week the, uh, the last week was 490, this week 400. And against one of their pay-per-views, so. Right, yeah. All right, so uh, any, any final thoughts on viewership before we move to live events? No, I guess we're getting into the final days of, of the pandemic uh, era of TV. Um, so ratings should be up in July, month to month to month for everybody. If uh, if live crowds matter as much as you know, some stock analysts think so. Um, stock analysts are definitely optimistic about the effect that WWE is going to have when they return to uh, to touring, uh, as far as the ratings. Um, it's been a, a very interesting last 15 months for viewership where we saw in the very first week, I think there was a curiosity factor that increased ratings the very first week of the pandemic where 
you know, you're going to, they're going to do SmackDown in front of no people. And, and the rating was up a little bit. Um, but after that, ratings fell tremendously throughout April and May because then I think we're in a period where people are feeling that, all right, this is a temporary thing. This wrestling here with no fans doesn't count, and I'll come back to it later. Um, and that never <laughs> ended. <laughs> uh, WWE saved a lot of money by, by not having to, uh, to tour and by doing it all in the Performance Center, but their ratings continued to crash through July until finally Vince McMahon invented the, the Thunderdome along with uh, his business partners, uh, the Famous Group and others. Um, and that coincided with ratings improving. Uh, so it's, a, it's, I don't know, it's been, a, it's, it's been more expensive for WWE to, to do it that way. Meanwhile, AEW has uh, consolidated tapings. About every other Dynamite has been taped here, and they've saved money that way. Uh, we're probably at the end of that time, too. Um, although, as, as we'll talk about, AEW's already planning on going back to Daly's place in August. Have you seen that? Did you see that? I did not see that this before this morning. Yeah, well, it was, uh, they announced it last night. Oh, did they? Uh, yeah, when they were doing the, the live Saturday Dynamite, so. So, yeah, that, that was pulling up on my Twitter feed last night that, that they were coming back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so, we, you know, we can, uh, you know, talk that right there. Yeah, so Daily's Place, they're coming back. I mean, maybe they're still trying to gauge what markets they should hit and that this is like a buffer for them. Like, you know, it might just be a timing thing of not being able to find a venue on, on short notice by the time they decided that they were going to go back to to touring. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, and uh uh, another big news that was this week was that WWE is going to the coming back to the Madison Square Garden, and that's going to be uh, Friday, September 10th for a SmackDown, which is interesting because AEW will be in that New York, New Jersey area on September 5th uh, in Newark, and then September 22nd in Queens at the Arthur Ashe USTA Stadium. So, wow, there's going to be a lot of wrestling uh, in that area come September, uh, and how much of the market share is going to be split just with AEW alone running Newark and then Queens within a matter of a few weeks. Yeah. And a lot of the tickets for Newark are already sold because this, this is a rescheduled pre pandemic event. Um, but who knows what the configuration will be. I'm sure we'll be watching the C map closely when it comes out for Arthur Ashe stadium. Uh, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head what the, uh, what the capacity is, but they could, you know, put probably well over 10, maybe 20,000 people in there. Uh, if they wanted to, uh, I don't think they're going to draw that much, but, uh, you know, they might, uh, they'll probably draw multiple thousands. I mean, they'll probably draw up over 5,000. I think we, uh, un, you know, if they don't draw over 5,000, I think it would be a disappointment. Um, maybe 7,000 under 7,000 might be a disappointment. Um, it definitely, it's, it's definitely built for wrestling the way it's, built for it's around. Uh, the capacity is 23,771. 23,000. Okay. So, wow. but, you, the, but remember yeah. wrestling. You have to put a massive stage in there that costs hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it'll be maybe two thirds of that. You know. All right. Uh, so, a- any thoughts on the WWE going to the Garden? Uh, is that post uh, wrestling confirmed uh, when it was via PW Insider? Um, not really. I mean, it's uh, Andrew uh, Zarian from from Matman Podcast uh, said that. Um, he doesn't think that it was uh, a response to to Arthur Ashe Stadium, uh, so maybe it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not un- certainly not unfathomable that WWE would want to go back to Madison Square Garden soon. But they are doing it for a RAW for a TV taping, which is something that they always try to avoid doing. But granted, this is a different situation where you're finally back on the road. Maybe you, you can see this, the sentimental, uh, you know, the thought that Vince might want to have about 
getting back on, on tour and going back to MSG for a raw rather than a house show. Um, and I think too, they just kind of, so I mean, I, I think they would announce it sooner if they knew how New York state was going to be with restrictions. I think guard, the garden was probably always on their list. They've got to come back and do the garden when we get in front of fans. I'd have to look it up. I think this was, it was a, a case of uh, something being canceled for, for Madison square garden. And the date became available. So and maybe they were trying to get sooner. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. all right. So, uh, also they're going to Boston. Uh, well, real quick on the garden, uh, PW Insider notes that they should, they would also run MSG on December 26th, which makes sense. It's, it's the Christmas holiday tour. It's tradition. Um, WWE is, uh, also announced that they're, uh, going to Boston via PW Insider, uh, Monday, September 13th, raw at the TD garden. Um, and that, uh, and then AW though, will also be in Boston September 8th, uh, for dynamite at the agonist arena. So this is, uh, this is interesting. That's only five days apart. Uh, AEW has the first shot, though. But uh, this is not. This is still a far cry from uh, what is it? Uh, Russell War '89, <laughs> when WWF at the time ran uh, ran the Nashville whatever, and uh, you know they would try to run like a really long show to wear everybody out, so they won't want to go to the show the next day. Um, and then uh, the Clash of the Champions uh, pay per view in Columbus, Ohio, was going to be September 26th. It's also via the PW Insider. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this looks to be a normal. Now they're just going for normal markets. I don't think they're because most states seem to have really re- loosened their restrictions. I know Ohio was one of the first states to get everybody vaccinated. Yeah, and they're already doing well, not everybody, but the, all age groups. Yeah, and then they're already doing, I think it's a raw in Cleveland coming up. All right. And then uh, this is the news that surprised me the most when it came to live events was WWE has announced a four city tour. In the United Kingdom, uh, they're going to be in Newcastle at the uh, Utilitya Arena. That's going to be some t- Sunday, September 19th. Uh, and then they're going to be in London uh, at the O2. And that's going to be on nearly Monday, sold September out. 20th. O2 nearly sold out already. That's cra- it's crazy. Cardiff Motorport Arena, uh, uh, Tuesday, September 21st. And then the last of the uh, tour will be in Glasgow at the SSC Hydro. That's going to be Wednesday, September 22nd, 2020. 21 and it's the smackdown roster that's being advertised uh in in the ad they said fans attending wb live will see their favorite wb superstars from smackdown including roman reigns bianca Belair, B- biggie sasha banks bailey the usos and more um yes. i haven't paid attention to how it was in england because i haven't seen a lot of independent wrestling in england so i was kind of shocked no. to, to see this i was like oh okay wrestling's back in england because i know europe yeah well, well, when we were getting people vaccinated here europe was kind of sliding again, like like Japan was. So I was very shocked. To yeah, see we'll that. see. Uh, when we talk about a study that I did last uh, uh, the last couple of days, there there aren't that many match records in cage match for for the UK. Um, but o, the O2, which is a Monday, which is a Raw, that is there's very few tickets left for that already. Um, interesting thought. Are people going to? Be, I wonder what the requirements are for getting people into the country. And this is a couple months away, but by September. Do you have to be vaccinated to get into uh, into the UK? Read read the names of who are, who, the names who are advertised for this. Uh, Roman Reigns, Bianca Belair, Big E, Sasha Banks, Bailey, The Usos, and more. So hopefully they're all vaccinated. Should be interesting. Uh, um, side note: Australia is doing another lockdown, so we're not going to see touring in there anytime soon. Uh, yes, it, it's it's funny like how how. 
I'm, I'm sure their, their, their case rates and their death rates are far lower than, than yeah. they were, or maybe even currently for the U.S., yet, yet Japan and Australia being very restrictive and careful. Um, I, I wanted to go over a few highlights in the, the, the ongoing ticket sales that are happening here as um, the return to live events is only about two weeks away. The first event back on the road for either AEW or WWE will be July 7th in Miami. Um, there is a really great wrestling Patreon that I'm going to rely on for uh, some of this information here called Wrestling Ticks with an X. Uh, that is on Patreon. Just $2, you can get access uh, to this this Patreon where uh, the person running it is using a script that is counting the dots in the Ticketmaster seating maps. Um, so we know we've got pretty accurate counts here. And uh, he's being careful, too, about making sure that um, we don't know necessarily that because the ticket is, is unavailable that it's sold. Right, you have tickets on the seating map that are way up in, th in the three hundreds in the upper level. Those seats may have never been put on sale, um, but he's trying to get an idea of what tickets were on sale in the first place. You know, trying to surmise what's happening here, and uh, so we have some some pretty good counts of or good estimates of how many tickets are at least distributed. Most of them being sold uh, among those that are distributed. But anyway, Miami, July seventh, the first event back on the road for AEW. Uh, it looks like two thousand seven hundred tickets have been distributed as of Saturday. Uh, there's only 440 available on the seating map right now. After they pulled 1,500 out of the upper level that are no longer available, uh, I don't think because they were sold, because they were just taken off of, uh, taken off of the market for now. Uh, maybe because it, it doesn't look that great with all those blue dots up there that maybe aren't selling that well anyway, uh, which is interesting. You got, I mean, now it's Miami. It's not that... What's, what's the distance? What's the driving distance from my, uh, uh, Jacksonville to Miami? Oh, that's it's quite some bit. Jacksonville's at the top of the state, and Miami's at the bottom. So it's a five-hour drive. So that's not the same. So market. I would expect it to be a little longer. <laughs> so it's not the same market. Um, that's no. a pretty long drive. Uh, so it's not as if this has been an exhausted market because it's so close to Jacksonville. But their first event outside of Daly's place, uh, two thousand seven hundred. That's on the low end for what Dynamite was doing pre-pandemic. And then you've got the following week, July 14th, just outside of Austin in Cedar Park, Texas. Uh, only a few dozen tickets remaining, so that's getting close to being sold out. The following week, the third Dynamite on the road in Garland, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Over 4,000 tickets appear to be distributed. About 1,000 are left. Wrestling Ticks estimates that the, the gate currently, among the, the tickets that appear to be out right now, around $244,000 in ticket sales. So... <clears throat> In terms of uh, live event money, not yet covering the cost of the. I don't know this. This is not like it's an incredibly high uh, gate for them. It's it's probably normal when you're talking about four thousand tickets sold. Um, so just to give you an idea of how expensive it is to put on one of these TV tapings, it's somewhere around a half a million dollars to put on a dynamite, yeah. a live dynamite. Uh, so that's the ticket sales are covering here half of it. Uh, so you have to have media revenue to put on the type of events that you see on your TV today. Um, July 28th in Charlotte, over 3,900 sold, according to uh, what AEW told Wrestling Ticks, uh, Wrestle Ticks. Um, so nearly 4,000, maybe at this point more than 4,000 in Charlotte for the fourth Dynamite on the road. Before they go back to Daly's Place for the fifth Dynamite <laughs> on the road. Um, the first WWE event back on the road is in Houston for a SmackDown July 16th. 
So that is how many days? That is nine days after AEW is already on the road. Uh, looks like the low hundreds are remaining for Houston, for the SmackDown, for the first one back on the road for WWE. And then on the Sunday following that, Money in the Bank, only a few dozen tickets remain for the first house show for WWE, which is in Pittsburgh. It looks like over 5,200 tickets are distributed. This is as of Thursday by WrestleTix count. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, maybe we weren't being fair earlier uh, when we were being so disparaging about how slow ticket sales were going. It looks like ticket sales are fleshing out here. Um, the first house show doing 5,200. That's not nearly a sellout, but for a house show, think about what house shows were doing pre-pandemic. They were doing, and now this is a market like Pittsburgh, so it's not a small market. But uh, What is the date of the WWE? The low thousands, I would Oh, think. sorry. I was going to ask you, what is the date of the WWE show in Pittsburgh? July 24th. All right. And so that, and then August 11th and 13th is the dynamites and the rampage that are going to be in Pittsburgh. Uh, so yeah. j- yes. just like a New York, New Jersey situation there. So it's very interesting. Two nights in the same arena uh, for, for AEW in the same city. I, it's going to be interesting to see how that draws. Yeah. And, and those tickets are already on sale. I don't have notes on those prepared, but those are at, on the WrestleTix Patreon also for the, the rampage and dynamite tapings. Uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, August 2nd, Chicago, Raw, over 7,700 tickets out for Chicago. Um, that's as of Wednesday. So that's doing pretty well. Uh, not a sellout yet, but that's that's doing pretty well. San Antonio for Raw on August 16th, 4,400 in excess of that number as of Tuesday. And SummerSlam in Nikon's hometown, Las Vegas. The capacity appears to be 38,000. 766, so just under 39,000. And they appear to have sold, including resales, 36,000 tickets. 36,000 tickets out. Maybe, I'm sure, not all of them, I'm sure there's some comps in there, but over 36,000 tickets appear to be out, uh, including over 3,000 resales uh, as of Tuesday. So SummerSlam doing really well. Uh, and th- those, those are my live event highlights for the week. All right. Uh, and, you know, we talked social media last week on a show and we we really didn't get into a lot of TikTok. And what we have this week to kind of tell you the scope of an influence that these wrestling promotions have in TikTok, starting with WWE, where uh, they have 11 and a half million followers on their TikTok with 181 million likes. Um, and you compare that to AEW, where they have 212,000 in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
you get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Followers on their TikTok with 1.3 million likes. So WWE looks to continue to be the juggernaut in this. New Japan Pro Wrestling, 15, a uh, little under 16,000 followers with twenty uh, with 22,000 likes. Ring of Honor, um... 6,760 followers with 25,000 likes. CMLL with uh, 12.8 followers and 47.8 likes. And then uh, might be the uh, most impressive of the non-WAW, 193.8 thousand followers for uh, Triple A with a 708,000 likes. So uh, WWE continuing to be the juggernaut. We're going to do the Spanish are we going to do the Spanish pronunciation? Yeah, triple L. Triple L? <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to look here uh, to give to give this a comparison. I'm going to look at, mainly at TikTok, uh, for the, the comparison between WWE and AEW. Uh, on, on Twitter, get an idea of the proportionality here. On Twitter, uh, AEW right now, the main AEW account has uh, 620, let's call it 9,000 followers. Uh, and WWE has 11.4 million so they have more w has more tiktok followers than they do twitter followers by a very small margin by 100,000. and uh but aew has roughly three times as many 
Twitter followers as they do TikTok followers. What that tells me, AW way behind the game uh, on TikTok. Um, when I tweeted this earlier earlier in the week, uh, AEW had not published any TikToks since March of this year. Um, they have since posted many. So they have responded. <laughs> whether or not that's a coincidence, uh, whether, whether or not SmackDown being on FS1 is a coincidence, who knows? If I'm a wrestling company, I am getting on the TikTok train and I'm not letting go. This thing is a juggernaut. It is made... It, it's made 19-year-old kids millionaires. <laughs> like, like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only... I, I believe it's the only thing that's taking up. It's the only single platform that's taking up more watch time. Uh, YouTube is the only platform besides TikTok that is taking up as much that much watch time. So it's like, so yeah. it's, it's YouTube and then it's TikTok. Uh, it's because you're getting content that's thirty seconds or less. Boom, and then on to the next one, and on to the next one, and on to the next one. Do you, do you do you have TikTok? I don't even have TikTok. I um. App. I, I don't have a TikTok account, but I install and I'll, I'll go through and I'll watch. Mostly, I, I like to watch funny cat videos. Uh, <laughs> cat, cat TikToks are my jam. But um, but yeah, so it's yeah, it's just boom, quick, 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 quick. A lot of content there. And if I'm a wrestling company, I you know, want to get in there. I know, um, you know, from a local level, Umpire State Wrestling, they put a TikTok of uh of Roscoe Black tossing a referee into the corner from uh, the February 2020 show, and that's done actually pretty well. Uh metric wise so oh, wow. are are you in charge of the uh, I am not. TikTok? you're not so you're 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 breaking the tradition of of the of the other co-hosts of the newer co-hosts of wrestling <laughs> yeah. in charge of the sw social media uh, i i i i am um, not no yes um all right so yeah it's a the the, the important thing to, rem to remember here we talked about facebook last week and everybody's response to uh you know People responding to my tweets about the Facebook video views being so short, uh, being so low for AEW relative to even impact, uh, was that, well, there's just old people on Facebook and Facebook, whatever. Facebook sucks, and it does, whatever, right? TikTok, though, certainly a younger audience here. And if you're trying to have a, a really popular wrestling brand that has lots of young viewers who are going to turn into loyal viewers as they, as they get older, then you would want to invest heavily in TikTok. Uh, impact by the way i should i should mention impact no tiktok no tiktok ring of honor ring of honor not verified less than seven thousand followers impact not even on tiktok get a tiktok impact get a tiktok uh go ahead uh moving on uh, last week we talked about the tony khan interview with forbes and the big thing about the video game investment well uh there's comments from a pwi insider interview about the video game investment from tony and this is what he had to say about it he goes while a lot of people were pulling out and cutting back and not investing during the pandemic i made an investment in people and also frankly a huge investment in video games I'm an investor in the gaming space, and I think I've been a savvy investor. I've made a large investment with my family that I pushed my family to make, and kind of along with AEW, I would describe the two investments where I've kind of dragged my dad across the goal line a little bit. We've put $20 million into Epic Games, which looks pretty smart now because it's worth a lot more than that now. So gaming is some something we know a lot about, and I happen to work very closely uh, with a gaming expert by the name of Kenny Omega, who's put together some great ideas and is doing a great job along with Nick Sobica, who is AEW seniors, vice president of business operations, gaming and esports, and a lot of other great people I work with. So, you know, they're just comments. Ex experienced uh, corporate executive Kenny Omega is on the team. Have no fear. Don't you love it when, when Tony Khan speaks about AEW in the first person, that's one of my favorite things. AEW is one person. Um, 
but that works with a lot of people though. Um, <laughs> I've I've uh, been told that the the AEW game. So let's clear up confusion here. This this interview was a little bit ambiguous. I asked some questions, and so AEW is not investing twenty million dollars in Epic Games, which is which is the maker of, For- of Fortnite, uh, which I understand is popular. That's a con family investment. I don't know under maybe if there's an LLC involved in that, but that that is separate and earlier than whatever AEW did. AEW has invested, as Tony Khan said, um, in the Forbes article, or at least it was published in the Forbes article. I don't think it's a direct quote. A eight figure investment in gaming. I believe the biggest piece of that is the console is is what they've invested into their console game. Yeah, for good reason. I think console games. And perhaps mobile games as well, but it's, but, but console game is is the one that's going to be the most popular, uh, certainly at, at at this moment in time. And it's a great marketing tool. Not only is it a, is it a product that could sell well, but it, it's a great marketing tool um, in terms of creating fans. Um, I've been told that maybe uh, the the investment that they're making is also around twenty million dollars. So that's a lot of money to invest if you're a wrestling company. That's probably only generating well under a hundred million dollars a year. I, I estimated last year, some, somewhere in the sixties it's, it's in that article on wrestling that went out last week, somewhere in the $60 million range of revenue for 2020. They'll generate more this year because they'll have an escalated TV, TV payments and they'll have ticket revenue. Um, that'll contribute to their revenues. So 20 to 70, $80 million to be generous. So that's a big that's a big chunk of that's a big percentage of your annual revenue. Um, nonetheless, Tony Khan believes that the wrestling Tony Khan says that the wrestling portion of the business is profitable as it is. If it was not for this investment, it would, would be profitable. I think AEW should should stop talking about profit and invent their own non-gap measure, just as WWE has adjusted OEBDA. In terms of adjusted OEBDA, where we exclude things that we feel like excluding. We are even more profitable than we would be otherwise. <laughs> this is a hilarious joke, and you're not laughing. <laughs> so that's your problem. All right. Well, <laughs> moving on. Um, uh, WWE uh, made some releases on Friday, quite a bit, actually. Uh, those releases included Ari Davari, Tony Nese, Fandango, Tyler Breeze, the tag team of Arise, August Gray, the Singh Brothers, uh, Arturo Rios, uh, Marina Schaefer, Kurt Stanley, and Killian Dane. Tino Sabatelli and Kenise Mobley, the writer that was on a podcast last week that said uh, she was hired, uh, even though she knew absolutely nothing about professional wrestling. Um, and with that, you actually did a cage match count, uh, Brandon, of now with all those cuts and the cuts we have been getting in the active wrestlers. Uh, now, this active wrestlers included some members of the broadcast team, some managers, etc. but WWE still 309 talents. Uh, on contract uh, compared to uh, AW124, uh, CML120, uh, Impact69, New Japan67, Ring of Honor57, Dragon Gate38, MLW28, and Stardom27. And that AW number is probably a lot of the AW Dark uh, talents that like aren't contracted members. Or is that just, mm, yeah. Maybe. I mean, who knows what the criteria is that causes Cage Match to, to assign somebody to a promotion. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so this is a rough. It just gives you a rough idea. Rough I idea. Call it. So e- um, even all these releases, they're still why by and far they have the most talent uh, number wise. Yes, I would like to do a study in the future that looks at let's let's I don't know let's pick a chunk of time like a month 
and say over a month. Uh, WB, and it's easier now because they're not using any extras or whatever, but let's, in, in a month, let's say there's, um, you know, how many wrestlers, I think I, I kind of did this when, when the releases happened earlier. Um, how many wrestlers do they yeah. use in a given month? How many wrestlers do they have in our contract? What percentage of the wrestlers are they actually using? But, uh, you know, when I, when I did this in the past, it was like a third, you know, um, for, for a week, for a given week. But it's understandable that you wouldn't use, that you wouldn't use a wrestler on one week and then use that wrestler on another week. But um, this is the third, this was, this was all NXT and 205 Live, right? Um, so a few things to talk about here. I think three things to talk about here. One is Nick Khan. Another is um, 205 Live. So it's 205 Live going away is one thing because they just dropped a bunch of people from, from who were wrestling on 205 Live. That show has been around for what, like five years. I would guess that it's done or it's, not long for for however long, how much longer it's going to be around. I was thinking that maybe you know when I I had, I had heard uh, late last year that be, you know an evolve pro an NXT evolve program was going to come out. Apparently they did some tapings for this thing. Sean Ross Sapp has reported uh, those tapings have never, never seen the light of day. Now here we are in, in late June. So I wonder is Gabe Sapolsky long for this company? Uh, he 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 has a role as a writer, right, uh, with NXT. Um, what's going on with that? A lot of evolved talents have been part of these cuts exactly. the last two times. Yeah, we've got who, who, among the people who I would associate with Evolve, um, Kurt Stallion, August Gray, the former Anthony Green, was working Evolve towards the end. Um, there are, uh, Marco Arturo Rujas, an Evolve person. Um, Tony Nice was, it was 205 Live, but he was associated with Evolve prior to that. Um, and the releases before you had Brandy yeah. Lauren, who was Evolve as well. So, And I'm sure there's a couple of others I'm forgetting, so. People are shouting at the podcast right now. <laughs> um, so there's that. Is something going to replace 205 Live? And what would it be? If it, I mean, I don't know if they're going to go full blown with that NXT India show um, that they, you know, kind of teased when they did that, that, that spectacular, wherever it was. Uh, and I mean, that could possibly be it. Or do they, I mean, they just debuted Anthony Henry as Asher Hale and, uh, and they also put Alex Zane as Ari Sterling. So, like, they just debuted on 205 Live, and they were, like, look to get the push, and maybe they just do whatever cruiserweights they have now uh, and and just keep keep the train rolling. So, um, so Sean Ross Sapp reported, and I don't have it in front of me, but Sean Ross Sapp reported that Nick Khan was making the call for about these cuts. So that's not terribly specific. And, again, I don't have the, the text of what Sean Ross Sapp reported in front of me, but... Um, there's much consternation in the Voice of Wrestling Slack about um, whether or not, you know, Vince, whether or not it's, it's proper to, to uh, credit or blame Nick Khan for, the, for these cuts. Um, what I would speculate is happening is, uh, you know, there's decisions being made, even you know, in, including with input from Christina Salen about whether or not you really need to have as much talent under contract as they have. Think about maybe even from Nick Khan's perspective, he wanted to come in there and, and set up this talent management group that would monetize their talent, get everybody off of Twitch and Cameo, and basically treat their talent, uh, tr treat you know parts of their employee base like like talent agents that would monetize their talent. Uh, I think they found out that maybe not all of their talent was really that easy to monetize. Some are, but many not. And those on the low end, like those who were cut this past week, definitely on the low end. Um, so what's the point of having these these this huge base? of talent uh, that we can't really monetize uh, and it's a cost against us when we could cut these costs and become more profitable. It's something like that happening. Certainly with Vince's approval, 
All right. Uh, so moving on uh, to some former Dota executives uh, from Bloomberg, Barrios and Wilson, SBAC may acquire Bolero. Uh, Bolero Corp, a operator of bowling centers at SPAC. SPAC is the is the proper SPAC. pronunciation. Uh, Bolero Corp, a operator of bowling centers that sometimes include full service bar and arcade games, is in talks to go public through a merger uh, with a blank check uh, ISOs from an ISOs acquisition corp, according to people with knowledge in the matter. ISOs is in discussions to raise new equity to support a transaction that set the value of the combined entity at about two point six billion. Said the people. Terms aren't finalized, and it's possible talks could collapse. ISO shares surged as much as 4.2% after Bloomberg News reported the talks. Uh, Bolero, led by Chief Executive Officer Tom Shannon, operates centers under its own name, as well as the AMF and Bolmero Lane brands. Uh, the New York-based company has more than 12,000 lanes at more than 300 venues that are visited by more than 28 million customers annually, uh, according to its website. And... Uh, so there's George Barrows and Michelle Wilson getting into new business, bowling. Yeah. And if you look at the ISO so stock failure right now, uh, around $9.86 as of close on Friday. Are, are you going to buy ISO's shares? That's a pretty low, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty good deal. You can, that's not, uh, it's no, it's no it, Google. It's no Amazon where they want hundreds of dollars for, for one share. You can get, you can get a George Barrios, Michelle Wilson SPAC share for under $10 as of the close of the market. I mean, may not be the worst, uh, value. I mean, their company, by the way. Go ahead. Yep. Their company, by the way, is, is valued at the market cap of $314 million. No idea how they come to that, but there, but there you go. Um, that's, I don't have much to say about it. Just it's a, pe- People <laughs> loved hearing this news on Twitter that, that Barrows and Wilson might be getting into the bowling business. <laughs> uh, all right. And then uh, you did something interesting, uh, a uh, wonderful WrestleNomics uh, chart on who are the world's most prolific wrestlers. How did you break this down? Uh, and, and some of these names are very interesting. Uh, how did you break this down to find out the most prolific wrestlers? I'm glad you asked. I, I, I want you to guess here. Some of the patrons who, who have read this post as you crack your knees have already asked, <laughs> have already, I mean, know the answer because it's in the post. Um, I've deprived you of, of this information to save it for this moment. Um, so I've done this going back to, this is, this is 2021 as of June 20th, but going all the way back to, um, 2015, I'm working on 14, but having issues with the code. But anyway, I, I use Python to scrape cage match. So this is cage match data, not complete. Cage match data is not a complete record. I know we got indie wrestlers screaming at me right now because cage match doesn't have some obscure indie show that you worked. But it's a pretty good database. Um, certainly, the, the companies that are on the more high-profile end, certainly all, all the televised companies are in here. Uh, most of the, the higher-level indies are, are close to complete, if not complete. So going back to 2015, I had to scrape. Every single match result had to do this across a number of columns. How many data points would you guess, Chris Gull, were scraped in order to produce this report, which, by the way, is available to $5 patrons at patreon.com slash WrestleMonics? Let's go go 50,000. No, that's that's too high. 50,000. Let's go 20,000. Guess again. Higher. Higher. Okay. 35,000? Higher. 45,000. A little higher. A million data points. Just over 1 million. Just over 1 million data points. Yes. This took, uh, um, I'm, so I'm scraping, I'm doing sort of what I would say is our sort of wide scale scrapes of cage matches. Uh, match results database, I had to scrape the wrestler database too, to, to put the, the names to the, to the numbers. Um, so well over a million, uh, data points for this. 
Um, it took it, it, it took me, I don't know, a couple of days to write the script. If I was a better programmer, smart programmer, more experienced with this stuff, I'm just kind of starting out. Uh, it might not have taken me so long. but um, And then it took many hours over a few days to passively just run the program and scrape it. Um, so this is what we have. We have a report that shows who's had the most, and, and this is interactive. This is a Google Data Studio product where you can, if you, if you, uh, if you, there's a PDF version for patrons, but there's also the Google, Google Data Studio. If you, if you click on any of the headings, you can sort it by that. Um, it, it shows you how many, who had the most matches, and you can scroll through. In the case of 2021, the 4,743 wrestlers who have had matches in 2021 on the cage match record, well, well below. Uh, prior years, let's take the, the non-COVID year of 2019, where there were about 10,000 wrestlers with records, only you know under 5,000 so far this year. Um, but yeah, You can sort this by, by most matches, by most promotions wrestled for. So that was really interesting to me, probably as an indie wrestler, to ask the question, who's wrestling for the greatest variety of companies? And that's how, by default, it is sorted. We've got this broken down not just on a worldwide basis, but also among the major countries where there is wrestling, including I did a region that is the U.S. and Canada, a region that is the U.K. and Ireland, uh, a Japan, Mexico, and then a other countries, which primarily includes uh, Australia. So one interesting thing. Have you ever heard of Jackson Spade? Jackson Spade? No. If the cage match data is to be believed, granted cage match is not a complete record of every match that ever happened, but if the cage match data is to be believed, nobody in the last half decade has had as many matches as one Jackson Spade, an Australian wrestler apparently, whose record, if you try to look at it on Cage Match, if you try to look at his wrestler uh, profile, it says, sorry, this page has been taken down at the request of the worker. So, who knows why. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, if, if you go, you know, if you look at 2015, 16, 17, 18, he's among the wrestlers who's had the most matches. And this is even, we're talking about years where there's W House shows happening. Uh, and I'm familiar with Australian talent, and I don't think I've ever, ever heard yeah, of him. I don't know. But if, you, if you sort a year like 2017, the, the people who have had the most matches recorded in the database, uh, number one is Jackson Spade in 2017 with 287 matches. Number two, again, he's got 287. Number two is Isami Kodaka with 193. So nearly 100 matches more than the number two guy. <laughs> it's been suggested to me that, like, Maybe it's referring to two wrestlers here. Maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, I will point out that the, the cage match profile uh, uses a unique idea. Obviously, wrestlers used a variety of names, even in a given year, maybe a given week. Uh, a, a single wrestler, one human being, can use multiple names to have different matches, right? The cage match uh, profile, it takes a number and assigns it to one human being. That's the intent anyway. Not, I'm sure it's not perfect, but that's the intent. But, and... Uh, you know, I don't know if there's other Jackson Spades that don't, don't appear to be not not with another Cage Match profile number though. So, so who yeah, is, I mean, let's just talk about 2021. Go ahead. Just looking it up, like every Jackson Spade link is the same picture of the same guy. So, looking at social medias and and, and profiles yeah, and all you that. Do a little so. Google search. It's not, it's not like you get obvious. There is a J Spade, J period Spade, but that person has his own Cage Match profile. Yeah. He also, he looks like a deathmatch wrestler. I'm not sure. I can't 100% tell, but from the few pictures I saw. Yeah. So. I, I, I've i been meaning, I need to I need to uh, get in touch with the people at Cage Match and find out. Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll talk to me about what the story is there. But anyway. Uh, 
the most prolific wrestlers. You want to, do you want to just, yeah. So just to kind of, you know, and, 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 and mind you, what we're taking here is, you know, matches and promotions, the amount of numbers. So of course, independent wrestlers are going to dominate this, uh, in, uh, for over, you know, worldwide, Cradrick, number one with 20 promotions and 37 worldwide matches all in the USA and Canada, uh, Manders. Are you familiar with him? I, that was not a name that I was Cole familiar Rad- with. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, Cole he's Rattic. so what the trend here okay. too is people like Cole Radrick and other people on this list, Manders and a few others that I'm going to mention had a lot of matches WrestleMania weekend. And that obviously will really add to the numbers. If you're wrestling seven, eight, nine times in a weekend. So uh, but, uh, right under him, uh, Paul Manders, 19 uh, worldwide promotion to 34 matches, all the U S and Canada, uh, Erez, who actually just, uh, announced for MLW, but he wrestled for 18 worldwide promotions with 35 worldwide matches, 17 U S Canada and 18 in Mexico, Billy Starks, uh, 18 worldwide promotions, 35 worldwide matches, all in USA and Canada. And we'll just go to the, the number five, uh, Masha Slamovich, 17 worldwide promotions, 35. 34 worldwide matches, 29 U.S. and Canada, and five in Japan. And just to kind of round out and go over all numbers, Lee Moriarty, six, Nolan Edwards, seven, Rob Killjoy, eight, Laredo Kid, nine, Gary J, 10, Matt Mikowski, 11 on the on the worldwide uh, um, side of things. Yeah. I think this is this is probably useful for talent scouting if you're a major company. Uh, you, should probably, you should probably be a patron to WrestleNomics. I think uh, if, if you if you go back in the, in the years before this, you'll see who's on the top of these lists. So let's People are now signed by major companies, um, so it, it's probably a good good forecast of that, or a good forecast of you know, who's getting a lot of experience, who's getting who's being valued enough by a variety of promoters to be booked in many many places, um, and who's probably traveling a great deal. Um, and if you just look at UK Ireland, uh, which didn't have a lot of, of of matches, so topping that list is uh, Dan Maloney with three promotions and. Uh, six matches um if you look in J- japan which was pretty full of steam until recently uh we have uh, uh kengo mashimo 14 uh japan promotions with 49 matches but right under him uh shingahiro Ri, 14 promotions but 100 japan matches so i i can't believe Ari was able to wrestle 100 matches with there being like another lockdown again in japan yeah I've told the, uh, the, the uh, and then uh, Mexico. Yeah. I told that the numbers uh, for Mexico oh, are greatly determined by this Colega Pro that runs daily in Mexico. Have you heard of this? <laughs> I've not, but it, <laughs> they're running daily. That makes a lot of sense. The number one name is interesting. It's Jesse Ventura, <laughs> Jesse with a Y. Yes. Uh, Eleven Mexico promotions with twenty nine uh, matches. Uh, right behind Jesse was Toxin. With 10 promotions and 27 matches, and Latigo with 10 promotions and 23 matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just in your other category, Robbie Eagles uh, topped that list with 10 promotions and 19 matches. So he, he's an Australian wrestler. There's, I, I was looking at this to see, I, was, I, did, I, sorry, I did a pivot table to look at in what countries, what countries have the most events to sort of look at, like, should I, should I create a separate Australia category? Well, Australia is doing like half of the number of events that the next up the slot is the next country, which I, which might be UK maybe. So if it's the UK, let's say UK is doing twice as many events as Australia. So, so I didn't see a justification in making a separate section 
for just for Australia, even though Australia is, is definitely the biggest piece of this other country's segment. Um, followed by countries like Chile. Uh, is, is, there's quite a bit of wrestling there. Um, but yeah. Any other thoughts on this uh, most prolific wrestlers? No, I actually, and Brandon, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, this. Uh, it, it's like a website, but he also on social media, WrestleMap. Uh, I happen to know the guy that runs it. it no. He's uh, put a lot of data on there as far as all the promotions running in the world. He tries to get results and 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 all that. So yeah, check out WrestleMap. Uh, give him a shout out. Uh, um, I know he's been featured on the Business on Business uh, podcast. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. The little Bobby's podcast. Yes. Um, you know who has zero matches on this 2021 list? Oh, Brandon Thurston. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast, towards the end, <laughs> if you actually listen to all three hours of it, uh, for the for the, the handful of people who do, uh, I was I was called out. I was shamed for for not getting back into the ring. Close the laptop. Get your nose out of the spreadsheets. I was told. I will let you know immediately <laughs> after listening to this. I did text a promoter and say, I'm ready if you need. <laughs> so. I hope to share a ring with you uh, and announce you some someday soon again. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, it's it, it's that chemistry thing. Uh, my highlight reel. I have uh, me announcing oh, wow. you. It's chemistry. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. I, I have taken some bumps again this week. It's terrible. Can't say I enjoyed it. But uh, but I am uh, <laughs> I'm doing more. We'll, we'll continue to do more again this week. And in, in in the lifetime to come. Um, any final thoughts as we wrap up and give the plugs for the week? Mm, not really. Um, nothing that comes to mind. I'm continuing to. My long term thought here is to. Uh, I didn't decide to talk about this, but sure we can talk about this. So we've been doing the Patreon for since since uh, again since October of 2020, and uh, by maybe by the one year mark of having restarted it, I might want to do an additional tier that will involve a lot of information, a lot of reports, kind of like this most prolific wrestlers report, but things that would be recurring, including reports on viewership. Obviously people already have access on the $5 tier, which is the only tier currently to the, the massive data set viewership spreadsheet spreadsheet. Uh, but, but to do more things that are powered by scripting, by, by writing programs like uh, the ones that I've written for this one using Python that would pull the data and then that would put them into something like a Google Data Studio report. Um, that's what I'm thinking for maybe a, 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 another tier sometime in the future. The uh, I'm doing another net promoter score study. All right, yes, I mean, and, and stuff like that and so much more, including the daily viewership spreadsheet that's updated five days a week, the WrestleNomics Patreon. Only $5 a month. You, it, it is a great deal. You're just in flux with data. And like you said, you know, putting stuff up like the prolific wrestlers, that's great for scouts for promotions. Like who's, who are the hot indie talents and I need to book on my show. Boom. That just shows you right there. Who's getting around there. Uh, yeah. And we know indie promoters have a lot of money. They love to spend. So you, you know, you got five bucks. <laughs> and in, in fact, the, the re, Chris Cole loves to plug this because if, if we finish with over 125 <laughs> subs this month in, in, into the next month, people's credit cards, you know, their, their credit card info gets expired a lot, so we might lose some. Usually we lose some that way. Uh, but if we end up with 125, over 125, which we currently do have over 125, uh, Chris Gullo gets a small raise. Come on, subscribe to that Patreon. <laughs> um, 
Just uh, plugs for me. Uh, of course, you can check out Chris Gallo on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my other podcast, Rediscovering Indies, this Wednesday, part four, XPW. Uh, not as long as a listen as the other ones before, so it's a pretty quick, quick listen, uh, a little over 90 minutes. Uh, but we talk about a little bit about the trial, the legacy of XPW, and could XPW possibly come back? So look for that on uh, RTI Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, Rediscovering the Indies. A question that every wrestling fan has gone to bed at night thinking. It's it's more realistic than you think. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so just uh, check us out there. And, uh, and and what do you got to plug, Brandon, before we uh, close this rodeo? We have uh, articles every week on WrestleNomics.com, uh, expanding on thoughts, talking about here on WrestleNomics Radio. Uh, you can follow WrestleNomics on Twitter, at WrestleNomics. We do not have a TikTok either, and if we want to break into that... Um, that younger demo, somebody better, I don't even want to say this out loud, but like somebody better occupy the WrestleNomics handle if they haven't already. Jesus. I'm going to have to do that before I publish the podcast now. <laughs> you follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. Uh, I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Go. And we'll talk to you everybody next time. Bye. <laughs>